Welcome to I Like the Way You Work It, a podcast from your friends at Dateline Digital Printing. At Dateline, we care a lot about taking unusually good care of people and helping them do their very best work. This podcast is a gift to the remarkable people we have the honor of serving. And now, I Like the Way You Work It, with your host, Jeff Welch. How's it going, everybody? I am Jeff Welch, and welcome to I Like the Way You Work It. Today, I'm sharing a conversation with singer-songwriter Emily Anderson, and we we focus on how she has made the switch from a regular 9-to-5 job to working on music full-time, and her plans to move to L.A., which, uh, since this conversation, she actually has done that and then come back to play shows, and she'll be doing that a few more times, I think, before the year ends. Uh, But we talk about her love of collaboration, of what it looks like to kind of be Fairbanks famous, uh, the move from directed work to self-directed work, and the importance of sitting down to do the work every single day to push out those terrible drafts so that you can get to the really good stuff. And while it may seem on the surface like some of her experiences would be antithetical to the nine to five working world, I can assure you that there is a ton of overlap between the work that she is doing and the work that you are likely doing. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. And you know, without any further ado, here's Emily Anderson. So you did a thing with my friend Josh Labuda. I did. I guess our friend Josh Labuda. I shouldn't yeah. just claim him as my own. Yeah, he I did a great it. job. Um, well, you did a great job too. Let thank me just you. since you're not saying <laughs> that, let me just put that, interject that. Uh, uh, how how is that? Like how 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 is it collaborating with other musicians? I love collaborating with other musicians, and I was so flattered when Josh asked me to to do that too because i don't know in my mind he's like young fangs fairbanks celeb and uh so that was that was really cool and he has such a an interesting songwriting style it's just really fun Mm -hmm. to learn other songwriters work and and uh because it's a, a little window into their brain and it's very different from listening to it because you're actively like in the song so i really enjoy that yeah. and i love singing harmonies um, so that's that's like one of my favorite things. Yeah, I, I noticed the moment where you have like a lead on the second verse, and then you immediately have to go back to harmony on the chorus. And mm-hmm. I'm like, is that weird? Is it weird to have to jump between the two? But you're, I you love did it. it beautifully. I love it so much. <laughs> well, I, I like that you that you referenced uh, his work um, because we're going to talk about some of this in the context of work for mm-hmm. the next few minutes uh, because it. It certainly is an avocation. It's something that people enjoy doing, and lots of people. I would count myself as somebody who enjoys music as a pastime, mm-hmm. something that I have fun doing in my free time. But I haven't done music seriously, probably in forever. You know, mm-hmm. maybe maybe a little bit in my early twenties where I thought, oh, this is cool. It's fun to do this for um, the potential of something more than just weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really is a a, a, a type of work. And so I want to talk about your relationship with that and a thousand other little things. Um, so, but let's talk about this idea of celebrity just real quick since you kind of brought that up. I, I, in my mind, you fall into the exact same category as like a Young Fangs kind of situation. I mean, you were, you were certainly Fairbanks famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably beyond Fairbanks. I just don't know beyond Fairbanks. Um, 
And I, I wonder what that is like in terms of, um, I think some people like to do the work and don't really want to get noticed for it, but performing performers, I mean, you sort of necessarily have to be noticed for it for it to work, right? right. How, how is that? I mean, how is you being the product? It's interesting. I mean, I like to think of it more as um, like creating a community and I really love, I love people and I'm a very people oriented person. So I, I have a hard time separating that between like marketing myself and my relationships Mm -hmm. because I feel like every time I do a show, these people that saw my show are now my friends because they know me in such a unique way and my songwriting is very personal and um true (laughs) true stories Mm -hmm. and so it's it's more about the relationships for me I think than the actual celebrity status in quotations um but yeah it's always I mean it's always such a a privilege and a, and a joy when people come up to me and like mm-hmm. Fred Meyer, of course, and yeah. and say that they saw my show or they liked my music or they've been listening to my CD in my car. That's just my favorite thing yeah. in the whole world. You're so. on the uh, you're on the the playlist here, at Dateline. So yeah, you come on periodically. <laughs> um, so, is is there a difference between stage Emily in quotation marks and grocery store Emily? Um, yeah, there is, uh, usually, well, I do need a lot of like alone time to recharge. So I guess there isn't so much a difference between grocery store, Emily and stage Emily other than my clothing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, it was so funny. Somebody at chicken's talk was like, you have such amazing style. Like, do you always look like this? And I said, no, I do not. <laughs> Usually I'm wearing leggings and a tank top <laughs> and that makes sense. Not a green jumpsuit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I mean, I think my, my stage personality and my grocery store personality are just, um, one is slightly hungrier than the other, you know. <laughs> Indeed. Do, does it surprise people that, I mean, what you're describing yourself sort of as, as an introvert to some degree. Yeah. Um, does it surprise people that you are both comfortable on a stage in front of people and need time alone to recharge? I think that's pretty normal. Uh, most people are some combination of introvert and extrovert. Mm-hmm. And I definitely fall kind of in the middle of that where... I love being alone. I wouldn't be able to write songs if I didn't love being yeah. alone. Yeah. And uh, then I also love the relationships of being on stage and the audience and and just people in general. But yeah, I think everyone needs that balance of yeah. taking time Agreed. to just sit and watch America's Next Top Model reruns, you know? Everyone can relate to that. Uh, I, I can relate to having done that. Um, there was there was a period in my life where that was on our TV in my house quite often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's embarrassing, uh, but it's... Uh, I, mean, I think that... But everyone sort of I'm has a guilty pleasure, you know, right? I don't... Like, yeah, everyone's I don't got care. something like that. Yeah. I like terrible reality television. That is, As does my wife. my guilty and pleasure. I, and I like to mock it, which... 
Oh yeah. Is oh is, me too. I think that's part of the 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 magic is, is she puts it on and then she pretends like she doesn't think I'm funny. Mm-hmm. She's good right. at it. Like she's pretty convincing. Yeah. But I know the truth. It's a skill. I know the truth. Uh, <laughs> so how long have you been? Uh, how long have you been doing music seriously? So I know that you have, in, in your recent past, have departed from the sort of traditional work world yes. um, to pursue this full time. But you were doing it seriously before then. Yes. And, and by serious, I mean, when I was in high school, I played in bands and it was fun and that was great. But I didn't have any like drive to say, this is important to me and I want to make more than just fun out of it mm-hmm. um you have been approaching it as work as a as a uh a creative process that is that is more than just a hobby for mm-hmm. quite some time so like how how long how long has that been for you um probably since i graduated from college i didn't which was in 2014 so i can't believe that was four years ago <laughs> so much has happened oh they uh, do stack up the years i know uh, it's it's a it's a good problem yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess in high school was kind of the first time that that thought really occurred to me when I was applying for schools and really having to think about what direction my life might go in. Mm -hmm. And I always thought of music as, as a part of that picture, but I didn't necessarily know that that was what I wanted to do as my profession until I was applying for schools and that just came up as a priority for me. And I was trying to find a job that would give me enough time off so mm-hmm. I could do music. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought, that's a little silly. I should just do what I want to do. And if it doesn't work, I'll do something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just quit my my day job as as the as the folks call that, um, in May. So I have just been pursuing music full time for about five to six months. So it's still new. It's still very new. Um, but I feel like a weight has been lifted Mm -hmm. and I thought that it was going to be, I mean, it is a stressful transition going from a steady paycheck to being self-employed. I feel like there's a lot of, um, surprise pressure that I, I wasn't necessarily expecting to feel in the way that I felt it. Um, but I also just feel so much more at peace <laughs> in general about what I'm, I'm doing. I, I don't come home like angry every day <laughs> and I'm not, yeah, an, that's a good I'm not an angry person. I liked my job. I liked my coworkers. I just felt angry. I just felt like I was doing something that I wasn't supposed to be doing <laughs> and I wasn't using my brain in the way that I am programmed to be using yeah. my brain. <laughs> yeah. How was the transition from having, uh, a, fixed schedule a someone i assume probably at least to some degree telling you what you're supposed to be doing to you get to make it up now how's that transition you know it's always been i've always had music and uh gigging and rehearsals Mm -hmm. as part of my schedule since i was in grade school Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so i've always had a really full and varied schedule and that was 
even the case when I was working a full-time job or a part-time job, I always had a really full schedule that was varied. And some nights I had to be out until 2 a.m. because I had a gig. And some nights, you know, I had a rehearsal that was really late and then I have to be up in the morning. And, and so in a lot of ways, it hasn't changed significantly because I still have no routine. <laughs> <laughs> is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I try my very best to build in routine in, in whatever capacity I can, whether it's just habits, um, not necessarily a timeline because my habits can't necessarily always fit into mm-hmm. a timeline and I don't want to set myself up for failure. So I've just been trying to be really observant and flexible with myself and find that right balance of, you know, I'm not the type of person that can get up every day at five in the morning Mm -hmm. and wake and like work out for two hours and then have that, you know, morning routine, like, like Twyla Tharp, you know, (laughs) she's, she's amazing. Um, but I'm not her. (laughs) And I, I'm still figuring it out is, is the bottom line. And I think, that's okay for where I'm at right now. How has that transition been for the people around you? Do people think that you just have free time all the time and now you just get to just do whatever you want whenever you want? You know, I haven't had a lot of experience with that reaction yeah. because the people that are around me know that I still work really hard sure, sure, <laughs> and yeah. do a lot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I feel really fortunate that I haven't had I haven't had to explain that to the people that are at least, you know, close yeah, to me. Yeah. And for the people that aren't very close to me, I don't really care. Yeah, it's not something <laughs> you need to explain anyway. Yep, that makes sense. Uh, so how do you know when you're doing good work? You don't have a boss to tell you, hey, good job on that Q3 report. I don't know. I don't when, know what a Q3 report is. But. Yeah. <laughs> um... I think I'm doing good work when I'm connecting with people mm-hmm. and whether that's a conversation after a show or whether that's a recorded piece that I've put a lot of time and, and love and energy into that really resonates with somebody. Um, that's how I know I'm mm-hmm. doing good work. Mm-hmm. Um, how cool is it to make something that other people love? It's amazing. That's it's the best feeling in the Gotta whole world. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love it. I mean, I love making people happy and I love making people feel like they're not alone. Um, and I think that is such, uh, I feel like I am so lucky to have this job and have this as a calling because I, I think it's just the most rewarding gift that I could have ever been given. And I still can't believe that like, this is what I do. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, you talked about, um, leggings and tank tops. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what you said, Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, I I think that it sometimes is a little more obvious in Fairbanks than maybe it is in the rest of the world, but I mean, you're not going to be in Fairbanks forever. Apparently. I know it's a bummer. I mean, (laughs) it's sort of like one of those happy for you, sad for us kind of things, Mm -hmm. but okay. Um, so what isn't glamorous about this? Because I think that a lot of people see, well, I I know, (laughs) but a lot of people see the, 
fancy jumper, right? Mm -hmm. They see the lights, they see the stage presence, Mm -hmm. and it's just rainbows and sunshine and the best thing ever all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's not. (laughs) Uh, All that gear that you see me singing into and next to me, I carry that everywhere Mm -hmm. I go. Um, I'm my own roadie, so a lot of it is, is set up and... And half my job, I feel like, is carrying things, honestly. <laughs> 50% of it is music, and the rest of it okay, is okay. carrying things okay. <laughs> to various places. And that I think sense. a lot of <laughs> musicians can relate to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's all the logistics that go into it um, uh, beforehand. It's it's like curating an event every weekend. Mm-hmm. And trying to find creative ways to do that there's the business end of it which you know uh, sure. <laughs> we're all figuring out yeah. i feel like as a world nobody yeah. knows what to do with the music industry oh, um boy. but uh yeah it's it's mostly like figuring out the logistics um getting the money side of things figured out carrying things and a lot of planning because i have to now i have to think of my my life as a a business Mm -hmm. essentially and Mm -hmm. plan out my life um like i'm i'm gonna try and start booking a year out Mm -hmm. at this point because i'm already booking things for the summer and and yeah the more serious i've gotten about music the further out i have to plan which is really crazy to like think like oh yeah i know exactly where i'm gonna be in a year yeah (laughs) i'm gonna be on this stage (laughs) well and and so so there's the there's the booking and sort of looking forward to that but there's all the all the contract stuff you got to deal with that's Mm -hmm. i mean that just doesn't happen by itself no like you've got to deal with all that kind of stuff and uh, i would imagine that um every venue has its own i mean like the people you're dealing with I'm sure there are places that you love working with and places that are one step down from that. Right. Absolutely. (laughs) That is more difficult. And like, those are things you've got to navigate all the time. Right. And so much of that is relationships Mm -hmm. and it is all about, I mean, you can, you can call it networking, but it's also networking is essentially just working on your relationships. I I like Uh, the R word better. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It sounds more human to me. It is more human. And so you've got to read the person and you've got to read the business and, and what they're able, what's in their capacity, what's in your capacity and try and find the best compromise. And so you're kind of, uh, it's, it's like any business with many different clients. You have to know each of the idiosyncrasies that Mm -hmm. goes along with that client and the history and, keep a lot of spreadsheets <laughs> and, and hopefully know your own idiosyncrasies enough to manage them. <laughs> right. Right. It's all a learning process. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I, and I would argue that it probably is a constant learning process, right? Definitely. Like as soon as you get one part figured out, there's something else that needs that changes, you know, Definitely. something else that's got to be dealt with. Um, so I, I, I don't know if you have ever read the book, the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. I have not. You're going to, you're going to get this when you leave. I'm oh, going to I'm give so you excited. this book right here. This book, I don't know, I just love this book um, because he talks about the idea of he's a writer and he's sort of writing to writers, mm-hmm. but really it's 
to anyone who does work that isn't immediately prescribed to them, mm-hmm. where they sort of have to make it up. Mm-hmm. And he talks a lot about the idea of getting through all the really terrible first drafts <laughs> because the only way to the good stuff is through it. And we oh, want yeah. to short circuit it and we want to say, oh, I'll wait till tomorrow when inspiration strikes me. And his, his motto is basically sit down every single day and do the work. Mm-hmm. And that's where the success will come from. Mm-hmm. Um, agree, disagree. Absolutely. Where are you at on that? <laughs> I mean, that's something that um, my Berkeley professors taught us and really instilled that idea in us of just finish the damn song. Mm-hmm. It does not have to be good. Just finish it and move on yeah. to the next one. And if you block your your inner creative with that inner editor yeah. you're never gonna that get... guy's a jerk i know he's a jerk <laughs> call him the gremlin <laughs> um but you're never gonna get better because you're constantly sabotaging yourself with your own inner criticism mm-hmm. and so if you let your creative process happen organically uninhibited then you can go back with that inner editor and fix it later but the first draft you always just have to you know free write it out (laughs) yeah well and i I think that it's it is interesting to me that musicians athletes i'm sure there are others but an important part of the work they do is the preparation right Mm -hmm. it is showing up and stretching it is hitting 100 ground balls it is scales Mm -hmm. um doing these things that are seemingly boring and you know innocuous and yet they are the, the the differentiator really in a lot of cases between being successful and not being successful mm-hmm. and i think it's interesting that we well, like we just want to show up for our job and be great at it right we just want to like show up and have everything work monday morning and then when it doesn't we're like oh mondays right right <laughs> well like i mean did you prepare yourself did you put yourself in the right headspace to be as successful as you possibly could. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where like creatives and athletes um, maybe have a leg up on the rest of us in mm-hmm. recognizing that um, because they have no choice, right? You have right. no choice but to make a bunch of crappy drafts. Right. Because unless you're, I don't know, Tom Petty. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, sure he, he had, had crappy drafts crappy too, right? Drafts, yes, yeah. but I mean, it's just, it's incredibly unlikely that you're just going to pull a hit out of your hat Mm-hmm. Just sit down and be like, this is the first song I've ever written. And it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have to go through that process and the work. Right. Um, and it's, um, it's necessary. Like I couldn't, I, I feel like the, the work that I do is something that I would have to do whether or not I was getting paid. Mm-hmm. And, I think a lot of artists feel the same way, which is why it's also so confusing. Like the pay scale is so confusing (laughs) and there's absolutely no regulation or rhyme or reason. Um, But it's a lot of like uh, personal work that's going into my, my public work. Mm -hmm. And it is like the only way that I can really express myself in my most true form. And, I think that whether or not it's it's good, 
like I said, it is whether or not it connects to people. And sometimes even the really crappy songs can still connect to oh, people. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it's just your fellow songwriters who are like, yeah, I feel better about my crappy songs now because I know that you write <laughs> crappy songs. And oh my that, goodness. that's just, you know. The crappy song coalition. Yeah, the yeah, more that okay. we can bring into the light, the more we will realize that we're similar. And <laughs> that can only help with human empathy (laughs) (laughs) which is important we could use just a skosh more of that yeah just a wee bit um music is fascinating to me so i I have a background in music like i i know from music and i understand that you take like half the pop songs ever written and you could sing them all over the top of each other because they're all the same four chords that Mm -hmm. have just been repurposed right and there are certain combinations of chords that just for whatever reason make us feel good. Mm -hmm. You put them in the right sequence. But what I want to talk about is the weird ones, right? And I feel like you understand this, just what I've heard of you and heard of your music. You understand what it means to break some of those rules and say, we're going to introduce something a little bit unusual in this progression Mm -hmm. that makes it, ooh, ooh. So tell me about like when you are working on your craft, mm-hmm. are you just like following inspiration? Are you thinking, what can I do that's interesting here? Trying unusual things? Like what is that? What does the process look like for you? Or is it different I think all it's, the time? I think it's different and not different. Um, so in the initial writing process, when I'm doing my first draft, I feel like that experience is always slightly different for me because you're finding a new song. It's a discovery process. Mm -hmm. And sometimes in that discovery process, those unusual chords um, make a lot of sense within what you're trying to say. So if, if that, sometimes that happens organically and other times when I'm in the editing process, I think about, okay, well, this is a progression that I've used before. Mm-hmm. Um, what could I do to make this a little bit different? And then I experiment with, I have this toolbox of music yeah. theory nerdery. Mm-hmm. Um, that, AKA preparation. That I can, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I was really lucky to have a, an actual music education in uh, songwriting, mm-hmm. in the songwriting craft. And so um, I have that toolbox that I can reach into and be like, you know, maybe, maybe there needs to be a flat six here. That'll be nice. Or like, what if I added a sharp 13 to this chord instead of just having it a normal sus chord? What if I Mm -hmm. just make that a little different? And another thing that's really helpful is if you are an instrumentalist that I, for me, piano is my primary instrument. And when I learned ukulele, mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any lessons. I just taught myself and like used YouTube videos. Yeah. But the chords that I discover on a different instrument. Yeah, the voicings are different, right? It's so fun. Yeah. And you do things that you never would have done on your original instrument just yeah. because you wouldn't have accidentally come across them because you know your instrument so well. Yeah. And so sometimes taking yourself further away from your comfort zone can open up new possibilities and uh, a new creative perspective, which is really fun. In a thousand years, uh, your music is all that is left of this era of our civilization. 
That's it. That's all this this future uh, world has to understand our civilization by. What do you hope they take away from what you contributed? As I'm putting oh, a lot of wow. pressure on you. Uh, it is not your responsibility. I'm just kind of wondering. I think that they would think this is a pretty weird place. <laughs> <laughs> For why? Um, I don't know what they would think. I would, I would hope that they would think that this world is beautiful and painful. And I think that that would be a pretty accurate assessment of what's actually happening. Uh, so you are, you're, you're leaving town. I am leaving. I'm so sad, but I am really bad at leaving in that <laughs> I will be back in October, November, December, and maybe January. Okay. So, so no one is allowed to be sad. Okay. <laughs> but you're, but you're leaving somehow. Yes. Okay. Uh, so how, how, how's that? You're, you're going to LA. You are, t- tell me about like what, 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 uh, precipitated this? What's, what's the story with LA? This has been in the works for a long time, and the timing has just never been right. I initially thought after school I was going to move to Nashville. So I went on this trip to go to Nashville with my class, and I just had like that gut feeling like this is not where I'm supposed to go. And that was really disappointing and super confusing for me. And because I I had my heart set on Nashville, I was so excited to go live there. I thought that that was going to be where I would find success. And I just had a really bad feeling about it. And so I had to listen to myself. And so I came back to Fairbanks. And most of my friends, my really close friends from school, from Berkeley, are are they're either in Nashville or L.A., and so both of those groups of friends have been like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you in Alaska? <laughs> Come over here. And so I've had this idea in my head for a long time to go either live in, in L.A. or somewhere in the lower 48, maybe Seattle. Um, just because I, I love Alaska so much, but at this point in my life, I should be touring more. And it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty cost prohibitive to tour out of Alaska. Um, So this has been in the works for a long time. And and since I decided to do music full time in May, I'm taking this more seriously. And I really want to um, make more connections and, and relationships and I just, I'm ready for, for a change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that in, in a lot of cases, we, in Alaska and Fairbanks, we lose great talent to elsewhere because um, of certain opportunities uh, that make me sad that we can't have those opportunities mm-hmm. here. Uh, this is one of those where there are a couple of hubs across the United States where this is just where it happens. Right. And so it makes sense. I mean, this is one of those happy for you, sad for us kind of things, but it makes perfect sense that uh, you would need to be in a place where you can pursue that more directly. Right. Um, the the world in the past 20 years, uh, you're younger than I am, so um, it's uh, been more of your life than it has been my life. But <laughs> uh, the internet has changed so much about how music is distributed and the business and all that good stuff. Um, and it seems like now more than ever, there is the ability for the regional artist, the not Beyonce 
um, to make a decent living doing something they love, but never really being nationally famous. Right. right? Like I know a ton of artists who uh, are very successful and that if I talked about them to any of my friends, they would have no idea who they were. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they don't fall into the YouTube Beyonce kind of like national, international thing. Um, how, I mean, how cool is that to know that those opportunities exist? They're not inaccessible. Um, you don't have to have the keys to the city to be able to plot a course where you get to be successful. I love that. I think that that's just amazing for creating more jobs in the artistic field and empowering artists to do their craft and, and get paid for it and not have to be signed to RCA or Atlantic to make that happen. And I am just feeling really good about the direction that the music industry is going, even though you can doom and gloom (laughs) all day long, I'm sure. But I think that that is really uh, hopeful because more artists are being heard overall Mm -hmm. and people are able to find more specific music that they resonate with and a, and a greater variety of music too sure. because since these artists these songwriters or folk artists or whatever genre you are they're they're being empowered to express themselves in a more genuine way instead of oh i have to write a song yeah. in this formula yeah. or else no one's gonna listen to me sure. ever um so i think that that's really powerful and that's gonna open a lot of doors for um, other creatives to also feel empowered, which can only bring good, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, well, I, I wish you the best of luck in Los Thank Angeles, you. California. I uh, hope it doesn't slide into the ocean. I know <laughs> it is a real concern. No, it it's so <laughs> stupid. But I, every time I'm in LA, that's what I think about. Right. Like, I hope this isn't the day that it happens. I'm only here for three days. I know. Just wait until Friday, please. I know. Yeah. Michael and I are, are very concerned about that. <laughs> it's probably necessary. But, um, but yes, I, I do wish you the, the very best and all of that. And I mean, it's good to know you're going to be back in town. A lot. Uh, apparently, <laughs> frequently, apparently all the time. You, you know, when you like go visit someplace for a week and then you come back, that's called going on a vacation. It's not right. called moving there. Right. I don't know if maybe you've misunderstood something. I think I did. I think I read it wrong. <laughs> uh, so where can people, how can people keep up with you? Because we live in this fantastic world where there's the internet and people can actually be thousands of miles apart and still be connected. Yeah, it's pretty handy. So how? how? You can find me at emilyandersonak.com. My Facebook is emilyandersonak. So is my Instagram and Twitter, although I seldom tweet. So yeah. you might, you, you don't need to follow me there, but you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. And I, I regularly update where I am and where I'm going to be. So you can come to shows or uh, sign up for my email list and get a pun every month. Free pun. A pun a month. Oh, yeah. That's fantastic. I think so. <laughs> I felt like there should have been a pun right there, but I couldn't come up with one. Um, so... So people go to emilyandersonak.com and they can keep up with the latest. The latest the and greatest. Yeah. Awesome. This is my first podcast too. This is exciting. Is it really? Yeah. How's that possible? I don't know. How don't is that possible? 
There it was. There we go. There it was. That's the we'll see if that end makes credits. <laughs>for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the spark our weekly email for people who want to do their very best work all the details are at datelinedigital.com forward slash spark